The April 20th Mindful Parenting Retreat Day is filling up fast. Join me and other parents in Wilmington, Delaware for a day of rest and relaxation, mindfulness and mindful communication practices, and a live podcast too. And my special guest for the live podcast is, drumroll please, Lynetta Willis. You know her from episode 366 and 400. She is a psychologist and sought-after speaker who teaches her Triggered to Transformed program to struggling parents. Join us and bring a friend to this powerful day-long retreat in Wilmington, Delaware on April 20th, 2024. But hurry, space is limited. Go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat to get your spot now. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat. When you do make mistakes, it's, it's, it's actually an opportunity to acknowledge that your imperfection can actually be a point of connection with your daughter because as you respond to yourself, she'll see that in the moment and learn from you how to respond and work through when you make mistakes. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 336. Today, we're talking about mothering your daughter mindfully with Dr. Michelle Deering. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confidence kids. Hey, welcome. I am so glad you are here today for this important episode. But listen, if you haven't done so yet, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you've gotten value from this podcast, if you've ever gotten value, please do me a favor and just go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. It really just helps the podcast grow more. It will take 30 seconds. And I greatly, greatly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. In just a moment, I'm going to be talking to Dr. Michelle Deering, who believes that every mother and daughter should have a thriving, loving relationship. And she has a very refreshing approach. She's a sought-after speaker, an online educator, and a consultant. Before running her consulting business, Michelle served as a licensed psychologist and board-certified sports psychologist at a Big Ten University, Fortune 500 corporate trainer, and higher education professional. Nowadays, you'll find her speaking at conferences, training for her next Spartan sprint race, and practicing rudiments on her drum kit, all while coaching, serving clients, and recording her podcast, Mother-Daughter Connections. And I'm so excited to talk to her. You can also hear me on her podcast, Mother-Daughter Connections. We we talked to each other. We really had such a great time. And what we're going to talk about today is the mother-daughter relationship and how it really comes with its fair share of unique challenges. So if you are a mother and you have a daughter, this this is for you. There's some complexity to in this relationship, and we're going to talk about how we can best navigate the challenges while appreciating that unique bond that really comes with raising a daughter. So I can't wait for you to join me. Let's dive right in and talk to Dr. Michelle Deering. I would just wondered if you could start off this conversation by telling us like what are kind of the some of the special 
challenges that mothers may have with daughters that that could be different? Like what makes it different and special? Yeah, it's different and special. I like that you actually <laughs> include those two words together. Um, but the the arc of the relationship between a mom and a daughter is different than the one between a mom and a son in that when your child is born, and we're going to assume in this case, it's your daughter, there's a uh, a connection that's made between the mom looking at, cooing at, you know, responding to the daughter and that your daughter in your arms is now experiencing you as her first female object, okay, um, entity outside of herself. And what happens is as your daughter develops and she goes into her toddler years, we won't cover that, goes into her tween years, that's where around that time, tween teen is when developmentally a daughter is now having had what 10, 11 years of experiencing you as her mom. She's now getting to a point where her identity is starting to develop and she has to come to decisions as to whether or not she wants to be like you or not, or what does it mean to her to, here's what femaleness has been modeled to me all this time. Is this what I want to do. And so her process then becomes, how do I identify as myself, my own separate entity outside of my mom? And will my mom be okay with that? Okay. (laughs) And that comes in all shapes and sizes. Whereas with a son, you know, you still have the same, you know, caring and nurturing the way in which you respond to your, your child, say in, in the case of him being a him be, the child being a son, the way in which you respond to him tells him stuff about the outside world, but not about his maleness. Hmm. And so when he reaches his tween teen years, um, that becomes his identity thing. And, and he's looking for what he's going to model himself after. And, you know, a mom, you know, depending on, again, everyone's different in their take on things. Uh, That's where the struggle begins, but there's more of a definitive separateness. Mm -hmm. That's just biological. That's just biological. Whereas with a young lady, (laughs) it's like, wait, you look like me. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I want to do it exactly like you, Ma. (laughs) And that's where the tussle begins. Yes. Yeah. So like my daughters are, you know, basically saying like, evaluating, like I've got good things. I got bad things. And from there, I've got some, I've got some good traits and I've got some (laughs) bad traits. I've got some annoying traits. I'm no, (laughs) we all do. (laughs) And so they're like, am I, you know, when I see this thing that maybe they don't like or whatever in me, is that part of who, or in in their mom, right. Mm -hmm. Is that part of who I am? Right. This is the question they're asking themselves. And, or then they want to say, I'm not like you in these places, right? Like they want to really make that clear. (laughs) Yeah. And actually uh, one of the things that I tell a lot of my clients and whether it's individual or in groups is I, 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 I let them know that the way in which you as an individual woman, i.e. mom, handle the experience of being separate, that is going to define and inform the way in which you deal with that whole process of your daughter transitioning out of uh, being under your auspices directly (laughs) to being outside of your auspices. And so, um, 
you know, okay, well, hold on, hold on. Okay. So the way I'm dealing with like her separation, like us, like not maybe not having as much input and control and all of those things, you're saying that def- say that again, that defines that, that, like- that, that, that will, that will, um, inform and influence how, what's going on on the inside of you. So, so say for instance, um, you know, if you have a mom, I'm just going to, my brain has been on, on moms of daughters who are athletes lately. And so, so say you have a mom who, and I talk about this in my book, what mothers have to tell their daughters, but where there is a mom who came to me, her daughter's a gymnast. The mom herself had experiences as a collegiate swimmer. But now her, here's her daughter as a gymnast and ways in which the mom had not dealt well with performance mm-hmm. started to seep into how she was reacting to her mm. daughter's response to her own performance, i.e. the daughter was like, wait, I'm not performing well. I want to go get help, which is how they ended up in my office. And the mother was like, what? I didn't do that. Why are you doing that? How do I know that that's going to work? So so that's just an example of Mm -hmm. how when a daughter starts making decisions that are different than what the mother may Mm -hmm. have thought they should make or the time of when they should have made those decisions, that all plays into it. So that's more of what I'm saying. And actually, can you tell me a little bit how, how old your daughters are again? Sure. They're right in your range, 11 and 14. (laughs) Okay. You're right in the thick of things. Yes. (laughs) Yep. Yep, Yep. I am. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yes. Actually, I have uh, twin daughters who are now currently 20, going on 21. Um, And so I do remember that that age range it playing out exactly like how it is and and what i found just speaking as a mom here for a moment that is that um there were many things that i didn't realize were were and i hate using the word triggering but were prompting me to to react a Mm. certain way and that's why i'm all about moms learning how to pause, which is why I really appreciate the work that you do, because that it's in that pausing to consider what's going on in your behavior in the moment. That's how you can get your bearings on what's going on inside of you. And like for me, for our daughters, for even though they're twins, each one was pulling at a different thing in me. And I had to mm. practice how to pause to consider, okay, what's going on in the moment? Not so much to, you know, lay blame anywhere. It's all about gaining understanding because it's with understanding that you can then make informed decisions about where, what you do next or what you say next, how you say something next. You know, some healthy skepticism in my life has served me well. And if you're like that, if you can spot a too good to be true health hack from about a mile away, you read labels like it's your job, congratulations, you're a skeptic. And Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. I take Ritual's Essentials for Women 18 Plus every single day, morning and at lunch, and I am feeling great. I love this vitamin. Ritual's Essentials for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. 
Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. Plus, Ritual Vitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp, and made traceable. They select lower carbon packaging, they prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients, and set ambitious climate goals. Plus, Ritual is a female-founded B Corp, which means they are responsible to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com mindful. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mindful for 25% off. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't you can't be a help to anything if you don't really fully understand <laughs> the issue. If you're just on the on that autopilot, um, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Twin daughters, that's got to be a really intense experience. Uh, but at least it's great. Like you're you're remembering their birthday. <laughs> no <problem. laughs> right, it's the same birthday. It's the same birthday. <laughs> no, no birthday blanking for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because like I can see my daughters are so different. My relationships with them are so mm-hmm. different. My 11 year old daughter, she's s- more similar to my husband okay. um, in a lot of ways, like in the way she thinks actually in her body shape and funny way. her face looks like mine. Like she can open my face ID on the phone, but, um, but she, um, you know, she's just like really just logical, you know, one very leadership oriented, wants to get things done and cross things off her list. And my 11 year old is very emotionally intuitive and really can like see how things are affecting other people. She's very mm-hmm. empathetic. Empathic. Mm-hmm. And my, the youngest one also like rides horses the way I did. And the oldest one thinks they're disgusting, smelly animals, you know, all this <laughs> kind of thing. So, mm. but, uh, you know, we have, we have, um, we have a lot of places where we do overlap, but she, I, I can see that she's kind of moving into the stage. She's like, she's seeing that she and her dad share all these traits and she relates to a lot of the things that he does. Well, mm-hmm. I don't do so well. Like there's the things, a lot of things I don't do so well. And, mm-hmm. and she, you know, and so I can feel that pushback from her and yet she, you know, we, and it, and it's interesting my youngest daughter, we're kind of more naturally like in sync. We have like, like the same humor, Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, at least this is all the way things are like kind of currently, you know, right. Right. Um, so it's interesting to kind of see these, these different patterns and, and, and dynamics playing out. Yeah, I actually, I think it's, it's, and, and just so that folks know, just because my daughters are twins, they're, they're fraternal twins, even though they looked mm-hmm. alike when they were younger, but now they don't, um, they are completely different. Um, And so I I chuckle as I'm listening to you recount these similarities, because similarly, my oldest twin has the temperament more like my my husband is a 
bookworm, even though they're both bookworms, but she's really a bookworm. And then my other daughter, the younger one, is more like temperament like like I am. And so one of the things I encourage moms to really take take into consideration is that even though there may be differences between you and the daughter that's not like you temperament wise, it's an opportunity to actually find and define a new uh, common ground for the two mm. of you, as opposed to seeing it as, oh, there's just nothing we have in common. And so, yeah. you know, that's the way it'll always be. And our relationship will be, that saddens me mm. because mm -hmm. your daughters are there. You're her mom, their mom for a reason. And, and they both need you. They just need you in different ways at different times. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree. Like a relationship with each member of my family, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's a relationship, right? Like exactly. any relationship it needs, it needs, you know, you need to go out on dates, you need to find <laughs> that common ground, right? Exactly. Like you need to exactly. talk to each other and connect and that's the glue. Um, yeah. And, um, and yeah, there's a little, like a little more challenging to sort of find those like connection points with mm -hmm. the my oldest daughter, we did, um, we went on a, this, I don't want this, to, like, sorry, dear <laughs> listener, this is like Hunter's therapy here, but <laughs> we, uh, we went on a backpack, uh, backcountry backpacking trip. The first mm -hmm. one overnight when uh -huh. she was 11, just the two of us, she really into like nature. And this is your oldest. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like psyched about that. You know, it was great. We had, you know, it was hard, but we had a great time. And, um, and then recently she's had like a medical thing come up where she hasn't been able to walk and it hasn't been able to hike or she hasn't been able to walk easily. She's not like, um, on crutches or anything, mm -hmm. but anyway, and, uh, it's, you know, she's, that, she's that, that was like our thing. And I was like, ah, dang it. <laughs> so it's like a little challenging, but I do, I volunteer for different things. You know, I'll, I'll volunteer. I was like the parent who was like, okay, you want to go on the, the scouts ice hike? I'm, I'm in, I'll go on the ice hike. Like, mm -hmm. let's do the ice hike. So, you know, I think is that, I mean, so when we think about the special challenges, those challenges are being like this differentiation and there's this like real desire to differentiate. And that is normal. And that makes sense. What are some of the ways that we can, you know, meet these special challenges of this sort of tween and teen time, yeah. maybe, um, skillfully and mm -hmm. in a way that, that preserves that connection or, and even what are some things we can do when they're younger? Like, I'd, I'd love to know kind of both. Of, those are two questions I realized. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll deal with the older one first. Okay. Uh, she's, you said she's 14. Mm -hmm. This is the prime time for, I, and I hear the earnestness that you have to find activities with her, which are all well and good, but I, I encourage you to also consider that it's even more important to have two ears and one mouth, which is <laughs> really doing double time on the listening. And by listening, I just don't mean by your physical ears, but also by your two eyes. Do double listening and half as much talking because she's got a lot of stuff that she's processing. And if she went from, and again, this is my sports psych hat going on. If she's gone from being active to not being able to 
move around as much, she's got a lot churning on inside. Uh, between that loss and, you know, all the stuff that she may not be able to participate in, this is a perfect time for y'all to be just you seeing her, acknowledging that she is in a different state, uh, uh, hearing her, hearing her heart in terms of what emotions are going on inside of her about this change of state, and then understanding, communicating your understanding. And that just means something as simple as, I, I hear you, hon, because that can be tough. That kind of empathy, that will go a long way in laying a groundwork and foundation for should her situation change and she's able to now resume things or if her situation doesn't change or if it stays the same, you know, as she goes through the next part of her high school career and experience. Um, for the younger ones, uh, really it's about, I mean, remembering, remembering that your mom, again, if you're, if you're talking about someone who's younger than the tween years, okay, I feel a lot of times, and I've noticed with, you know, the clients who come to me, it's almost like they've abdicated their power mm. as moms. It's like, uh, no, as a mom, you can set ground rules. Yes, as a mom, you can um, express a preference for how you'd like things done, okay? And follow through on whatever you would think would be an age-appropriate consequence for adhering or not adhering to that. Um, I think moms lose sight of that because they haven't paused to consider what's going on inside of them and how they really think and feel about such discipline, and I'm using air quotes, okay, because uh, that looks different for everybody. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.
Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, we, in, in mindful parenting, you know, we get, um, people sometimes who, you know, it's, it, it's sort of agnostic as to like exactly where you want to have those boundaries, but we have a lot of people who are afraid to make boundaries sometimes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the truth is your needs matter, you know, and when some, a child's behavior is interfering with your needs, like, yeah, you got to have a boundary and we don't have to be mean about it. Like we're Mm -hmm. afraid to be that, you know, we don't want to be that harsh, mean parent, maybe that we had, but I mean, I don't know when my daughter was two and she didn't want to get dressed in the morning. It was like, all right, well, I'm packing up your clothes and we're going to go to school and I'm giving this baggie to your teacher. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, Yes. or I didn't really didn't want to get dressed this morning. So here you go. It looks like she has to get dressed to school today. And that was pretty darn embarrassing, I think, for her, (laughs) even at a young age. And so (laughs) she she that was it for that. You know, I mean, like we can have those boundaries as far as like our expectations. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I agree. And that makes kids feel cared for. Right. To have some boundaries matters. Yes, they need that. That I mean, the psych research backs that up um, ad nauseum, uh, for lack of a better word. I mean, it it just shows that you have to have some kind of structure uh, because that adds to their sense of safety. And when they have that safe sense of safety and you're consistent with it as best you can be, then they get a sense of security, which then gives them the foundation for, okay, I know you fed me, so I'm satiated. Now I can actually start looking at the other needs that um, need to be met in terms of relationships, you know, um, activities and things of that nature. Creativity, autonomy, all those different things. Right, all those things. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, what I'm hearing from you saying is that when they're little, Mm -hmm. yes, like provide all the love and nurturing and, and all that stuff and you know, boundaries, right? Like mm-hmm. have, have those boundaries, you yes. know? And yes. um, so, and then once they get to be the tweens and the teens, is there, so, is there more work that like, as it, what is the mindset that we as mothers need to kind of go into? I mean, I hear that we're, we need to recognize our kids are going to differentiate from our, from us, mm-hmm. but what are the, some of the things that we need to recognize within ourselves? Do we have to like, look at our own relationship with our own mothers? Like what, what is some of the work that we should be kind of considering as our daughters move it, get into that little older stage? Actually, that's why one of the reasons why I wrote my book, what mothers never tell their daughters was for that very reason to actually give moms tools in a very conversational tone of the book uh, around figuring out how they're thinking and feeling and behaving in response to, or sorry, in reaction to things that are going on during that transition period. Because, mm-hmm. um, and parents and men and women do this where they can sometimes think that the, the way in which they parented, and I'm using air quotes, when they were younger works the same. And, and it's really about giving your kids and your daughters in particular, the, the foundation of their sense of self so that they can then make decisions about what, or learn about what they're good at, um, what they want to pursue, what, who they want to be later on, where you're not going to react, but mostly respond. 
And what moms can do to have that mindset is about almost like being a detective and being curious mm. within themselves with regards to, gee, how have I been reacting lately? Mm. And where I think they miss it, which is what I appreciate about your work is what's going on in my body? Because <laughs> mm -hmm. our body is the, is, is the storyteller here. If you tense, there's a reason. Mm -hmm. And my whole thing is pause to consider. I'm tense right now. What's making me tense right now? Um, have I reacted to my daughter or children a certain way? And then realize that you can make a choice to do differently. Not that you'll all of a sudden wake up with the light bulb and say, ah, I, I'm doing this quote unquote perfectly and I'm never going to make mistakes. No, actually, when you do make mistakes, it's, it's, it's actually an opportunity to acknowledge that your imperfection can actually be a point of connection with your daughter. Because as you respond to yourself, she'll see that in the moment and learn from you how to respond and work through when you make mistakes. If we, if we, if, if we continue to like, you know, uh, um, kind of pressure ourselves to live up to this, what I think is an unattainable standard that society puts out there as to what a good mom is, uh, you're going, you're going to respond to mistakes a certain way, and that will just continue the generational cycle of, of all that stuff. I love what you said right there. Your imperfection can be a point of connection right. with, your, with your daughter. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful. Like, that's what we need to hear, right? Like, it's not about just not about, saying yeah. all the perfect right things. No, it's not. You're, you're allowed to be human. Right. You're allowed to be, make mistakes. And then that is the truth. Like sometimes that repair process does make you closer than if you didn't have any conflicts in the exactly. first place. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It, it, it's it's whenever I've gone out to speak and women, women come up to me afterwards, you know, they're sometimes I'll hear, you know, someone say, oh, my mother and I had had a really close relationship. And, you know, I'm like, hey, cool beans awesome. I'm really happy for you. But I found that if I listen long enough and they keep talking, inevitably they'll hit upon some part where they were at odds with their mom about something, however mild or whatever. It's all about, as you were alluding to, the repair. Well, has that, has that been repaired, not just in your own heart and mind, hmm. but with your mom, whether she, if she's living great, there's an opportunity there. If she's not, that's okay. Uh, you can still have the conversation hmm. within yourself because she's much alive in you in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I believe that as well. Right. Like she's, mm -hmm. our parents are in us. Mm -hmm. They are within us, right? Like mm -hmm. all our ancestors are within us mm -hmm. in the same way our descendants are in some ways. It's so fascinating. Um, yeah. It's so interesting. You're making me think about my mom and my mom listens to most of the podcast. <laughs> Hi, Hi mom. mom. <laughs> <laughs> and uh. it's so interesting, you know, I, cause I can, I can remember some instances like, and, and I can sort of tell one story about things and I can remember some instances and tell another story about things. And I think that, I mean, do you think that that story we tell 
but but our my overall i mean it's funny because sometimes you know so i teach uh how to do a loving kindness meditation and in a loving kindness meditation you often start or your next you 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 actively send love to somebody who's easy to love mm-hmm. and um that's that's usually my mom these days like she's just mm-hmm. easy to love mm-hmm. and and um and it's interesting you know because i think if i had depending on the stories you focus on and and the way you tell those stories to yourself it really frames your relationship. Uh, I mean, do, do you see that? I mean, obviously most in your psychology training, like do you, do you invite people to um, consider alternate um, framing for their stories? Or <laughs> I, I mean, what, what about the sort of like our own relationships with our own mothers? And well, yeah. well I don't, I don't advocate denial. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, <laughs> denial is not good. Denial, not good. Um, oh, no, but, but for it, instance, for instance, actually, this is a good example. Really great <laughs> book. I'm, I'm going to recommend it to you. Strange Situation, okay. Bethany Saltman. She okay. came on the podcast recently. Mm-hmm. And I think that b- both conversations we released the same, the same month. But um, she had a whole story about her mom, about her attachment to her that she had told because of certain things. And then when she discovered that she was securely, actually was securely attached to her mom, she started to remember all these other things and and reframe a story of like, oh, I was reaching out for her. Mm -hmm. I needed her, you know, rather Mm -hmm. than I was in a bed, you know, it was interesting to kind of see these are different sides of the same story. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I'm talking about, not denial. (laughs) Oh, no, no, (laughs) no, actually, um, I mean, that happens in, say, the clinical work that I do um, in the as a mother daughter relationship personal trainer uh, in the mother daughter work that I do. I'm all about giving moms tools and strategies to get in tune with what's really going on in their thought about whatever their story is and Mm. to um, get to a place of accepting it open-handedly so that they can gain an understanding, not just about themselves in the moment, but also about where their mom is or was coming from Mm. in the moment Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. in whatever story. And so So like less judge you're, you're, what you're advocating here is like less judgment and more curiosity about both themselves and their mothers. Right. I mean, we, I contend that we judge because we're insecure. And Mm. so, you know, I'm not about judging. I'm all about folks gaining, gaining an understanding. I mean, there's this Jewish proverb that talks about, you know, if you have a house, wisdom builds it, but understanding is what furnishes it. And the furnishings in the Mm -hmm. home that you're creating, I mean, you ever walk into a, you know, house that has no furniture, it's kind of stark and cool. (laughs) But when you got for a way, when you get furniture in there, then there are cozy places. Then there are places that, you know, bring up good memories. There are places that may not bring up good memories, but that you can at least objectively look at them Mm. open-handedly to say, okay, well, what was going on? How do I really feel? And I find that um, women and guys do it differently, but women have a hard time sometimes uh, admitting how they really feel because of all Mm. the pressures that are put on them from, and then all the busyness, you know, we as moms, especially uh, moms, but just women in general have to put, you know, deal with both, you know, 
personally and professionally. So we're balancing all of that. So it's really hard for moms to pause, which is why that's my big thing. You need to pause <laughs> to consider your behavior. You and I are very much aligned. <laughs> <of course. laughs> I know that's why I really, uh, I'm excited to be here. Yes. Yes. Michelle, this is so fascinating. Um, and it, and you're really advocating like a mindful relationship, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, really being not reactive, really trying to step back and see the big picture and understand and be curious. I love that. I love that so much. What, what made you want to work with mothers and daughters? Like, what was the, the driving force behind this? Wow. Um, it wasn't something that when I went into my doctoral program that I was looking to do, actually, I was more, I studied more the transitions of teenagers from high school to college. That was what my dissertation was on. Uh, Cause that was on my heart from um, a corporate Fortune 500 company that I worked for. It was an experience I had there with a young lad who I was like, whoa, I really want to be able to do something to help here, them transition mm -hmm. to college. Um, but after I, um, you know, was working in a division one university counseling center, we, my family moved from New Jersey to North Carolina and uh, being an athlete myself, uh, I, you know, was running Spartan races with my husband and we moved into our house. Spartan a, races. I, uh, yes. Oh my God. Our sound editor, did, like he works on Spartan. Races. Oh, okay. Yes. So, 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 you know, shout out Sam. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So there I am in the new house and, uh, had a fluke accident and two hip surgeries later found myself as a mom of twin Ooh. daughters in high school. Really? That was, that was one of my big pauses. Okay, where it was sort of like, how am I looking at myself as a mom if I can't move around, if I can't wow. be in step with my daughters and and so receive hard. and receive help? <laughs> okay, because I'm not superwoman, what? Um, and so as I was convalescing, I had uh, the thought occurred to me, you know, well, what's really on my heart? And I and the reason why that thought occurred to me was because in the cul-de-sac where we were living, we had a lot of younger moms who had daughters and sons, but I was noticing that they were interacting with their daughters differently. And this was just like as a, you know, civilian, just living out there. Yeah. And they would talk to me all the time. And I kept thinking, man, they're asking me the same questions all the time. They don't notice that how they're interacting with their daughters differently. I'd like to help more moms. And so what was on my heart was to write my book. And because mm -hmm. I always said, you know, when I was younger, I'll write a book one day, but I don't want to write anything if I don't have anything to say. And what was really on my heart was I really didn't want moms to make the same mistake that or, or have their daughters experience the same thing that I experienced as a daughter of a single mom who had all the pressures and just didn't know how to be there, be there for me emotionally mm -hmm. um, because she was dealing with everything else that she had to deal with. So I wanted to kind of help change the trajectory of the next generation by helping moms be comfortable having those conversations with their daughters. Um, mm. And I was finding that their discomfort was because they themselves hadn't paused to consider, well, why is it, what is it that's making me uncomfortable about this? Um, mm. And so the book uh, is really sort of like a conversation with if you were 
to go with me to Starbucks and we're just having a conversation. That's how the book is written, where I'm telling you stories about my life as a daughter of a single mom, then my life as the mom of twin daughters. And then at the end of each chapter, I put on my psych hat and start asking, well, what did you notice? And then mm. that's in the first part of the book. In the second part of the book, I'm like, well, this is, this is the process that will kind of help you just start the journey. And then I give tools and strategies in the book around how to have those uh, conversations with your daughter. I love that. What did, what did you want for your, from your mom that she wasn't able to give you? I wanted her to see me. I always felt like um, she was living through me. Mm. And, and, and that if I didn't meet that expectation of being or acting or appearing the way that she wanted, mm. then I wasn't good enough, um, that I had missed the mark. And so the way I dealt with that as a, I mean, again, I love my mom and our relationship, mm. even though it wasn't close when I was growing up, um, when I actually got engaged to get married and we started the whole repair process. And so, mm. um, you know, I can say that, you know, we ended up having a, a better relationship, but one of the things, ways in which I dealt with her criticisms, she's very critical. It was a Jamaican household, you know, uh, mm. King's English, you know, everything prim and proper, you know, you're seeing and not heard <laughs> kind of stuff. And when we do call you, you need to perform kind of stuff. So the way in which I dealt with that was to just throw myself into my academics because that was something I was good at. No one could complain about it. I was a straight A student all the way up through, you know, my education. And, um, and I was also a really good athlete because athletics at um, sports was the first place where I got validation about anything that I was good at. Mm. And so, you know, I hung out with the dudes, <laughs> you know, we played football and basketball and baseball. And I ended up uh, being a varsity athlete in softball and then a walk on in college at Brown. But I, um, that's the way I dealt with it. And then, huh. yeah, and then I ended up, uh, you know, having those different light bulb moments that <laughs> 20-something year olds and 30-something year olds have, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's beautiful. That's, um, I mean, you know, it's interesting because we can look back at those things and say, you know, we understand like where our parents are coming from. Like we can mm -hmm. explore that and understand that and still say, and yeah, and I, this is how I felt through that. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, and these are the needs that I didn't have met around mm -hmm. that. Um, yeah. I think that's really helpful to kind of look at that and see that. Yeah. I had a similar experience actually, like with my dad for a while, I was like working as a, I went to school for art conservation. And then I went to graduate school was like a, doing painting. And I taught high school art for a while. And then I, I had like shows, like I was in group shows in New York. I was in some pretty cool galleries and stuff. Nice. And like, he's an artist. And it, I was like living his dream <laughs> and I've pivoted obviously. And I'm, mm. and I work actually, it's some of the same stuff I deal with. I, my best work is about mothers and, <laughs> and, uh, they're like pregnant beast women. They're like, <laughs> like angry, like predator beast women. Oh, anyway. Um, <laughs> but like, it's so interesting. Cause I felt so like, 
you know, it's like, there was so much like excitement and pride and everything. And now that it's like, he hasn't quite read the whole book yet. You know, it's been out for like three years. I'm like, come on, dad. I'm good. Right? You know, like, I mean, I love my dad. He's amazing. He's mm-hmm. a great guy. He, he struggles in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. But, um, and you went to Brown. That's amazing. Right. Yes. Brown yes. University. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I, one of my first boyfriends was a college freshman at Brown when I was a, uh, high school juniors. Oh gosh. Anyway, he was great. <laughs> Just as a side note, <laughs> he like, he, he like, he took, he gave me my first Ani DeFranco album, which was like a tape at that point. Puddle right, Vibe right. had a, has a song on it about getting your period. He took me um, to see Wilma Mankiller, like, you know, chief of the like <laughs> Cherokee nation speak at Brown. Oh, it was like man. a contact improv dancer. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this is so different from the local boys. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Brown's got yes. its own like yes. special little world there. Yes, it on. does. Yes, it does. It's a great place. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So one thing I wanted to though, pick up on, which I imagine there might, the listener might be like being like, but what happened there when you were in that cul-de-sac mm-hmm. for the parents of the young kids, what were the mistakes you were seeing? Like you were seeing this like kind of lack of reflection, right? This lack of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. That's clear. Like that's definitely the mm-hmm. underlying key there. But what, what was happening in the kind of surface conversations that you're seeing? Yeah, it was, it was the way in which they spoke about their daughters, um, huh. as opposed to the way they spoke about their sons with their sons. Okay. They'd go rumble tussle or maybe do something they weren't supposed to do and it'd be like oh he's uh you know you know it's he's just being a boy whereas with their daughters it was more like yeah she's just a little little prissy da, 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 da. I, it, you know just like mm, it was more judgment like, you're saying yeah more judgmental um not as uh gracious towards mm. their daughters and the the thing that would um pain my heart was what they weren't picking up on is they would be say the moms would just be around each other right and the daughters are off whatever and they would talk about their daughters that way but they wouldn't see how it would um influence their interactions with their daughters when the daughters would come running back up to where they were that's the part where Mm -hmm. sort of like Mm -hmm. you don't see how the comment you just made there actually she didn't hear the comment but the way in which you're interacting with her now is reflecting that comment that she wasn't even aware of that oh. you said. Um, and again, it's not like the mothers were out there purposing to do this. This is just yeah. what they were doing. OK. Um, and again, I'm not saying I'm not pointing fingers or laying blame. It was them not understanding what was going on because then they'd come to me knowing what I did for a living back then when I was doing therapy mostly. Um, and they would, you know asked me, you know, what should I do about X, Y, and Z? And I would just pause. And it's like, well, first, you need to come to my office to answer that fully. But, um, you know, you might want to consider this, that, and the other thing, Um, not knowing that they were, you know, perpetuating cycles of things that they were complaining about. You're really talking about the problem with like a lack of, a lack of self-awareness and just kind of perpetuating kind of things in, in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, I, I, I feel very, un, I always felt very uncomfortable with like the way we parent 
boys and girls really differently mm-hmm. and the the conversations that would come up oh boys this and 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 I felt a little frustrated and comfortable with that you know and but it's interesting because I could see some of the ways those parts of culture that culture influenced me like when my oldest daughter who you know in another era not too long ago, she would have been called B-O-S-S-Y as a kid, right? Like <laughs> that would have, that would have been given to her. That uh-huh. label would have given, given to her a lot. Uh-huh. And I could see my, like, kind of, I could see that coming up in me. And I, I was like, oh, I'm like, well, she has leadership potential, man. <laughs> you know? And, and the truth is, <clears throat> And the truth is she does have leadership potential. Mm-hmm. She's going to be a, a Eagle Scout now. Like she is the leader of her all girls Boy Scout troop, right? Like, and, and, and that is something that's incredibly positive for mm-hmm. her. You know, it's mm-hmm. so interesting though, that the, the, I don't know, the way these kind of stereotypes and habits and uh, energies from our culture can really just come up and we don't, if, if unexamined, we're not even realizing it. Yeah. And again, I'm not, it's, this is, I'm not about laying blame anywhere. This is really about gaining an understanding because we all, you know, can fall into patterns. It's like, I'll never do that just like my mother did. And then you find yourself like I did with our daughters when they were younger. It's like, whoa, I, I, I'm repeating a pattern here. I need to, what's going on with me? Let me take a look at that. So that's why I'm all, I I sound like a broken record, but really about pausing (laughs) to consider your behavior. And, um, you know, one uh, quick way to get in tune with that is to really get in tune with your body and what's going on with your body. Um, I just was telling someone earlier today that uh, this year, even though I kind of dabbled in it a little bit off and on over the years, this year, I just really decided I'm going to do some yoga stretching uh, exercises every day, which I do every morning now, um, just to give myself space to find out what's going on in my body. And I'll just attend to that throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really the heart of mindfulness. It's like being in the animate body. There's an, an incredible book called the heart of meaning. Oh, dang it. He's going to be on the podcast soon. So I can mess up his book name uh, um, that I'm so excited about, but mm-hmm. he talks about this idea of the conscious mind and the animate body. And I love that the description of like the animate body. And that mm-hmm. really is what mindfulness is about. It's like being in our practicing to be in our animate body and yoga is so good. So yes. good for that. So, yes. so good for that. Yes. Michelle, this is wonderful. I could talk to you forever. <laughs> I'm going to come down to North Carolina to your cul-de-sac or outside and, and have some have some have some sweet tea they have down here. Yes, that's have a, some sweet tea and acquire taste chat for another couple more hours. Yeah, but I'll definitely have you on my podcast too. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to that conversation. So we can continue. Yes. All right. All right. So this is part one, dear listener. You'll have to go to Michelle's podcast, Mother Mother Daughter Connections, to to hear part two. Michelle, thank you so much. I really appreciate this conversation. I appreciate your time and all of those things and and your your curiosity and your interest that drove you to do this wonderful work. Um, Where people can obviously go listen to Mother Daughter Connections, anywhere podcasts are 
found. Mm -hmm. Where else can they find out more about you? Uh, they can connect with me at my in my Facebook group, which is at Mother Daughter Connections, the letter F and the letter B, Mother Daughter Connections FB. Uh, answer the four questions and you get in the group <laughs> and uh, I'm there. And uh, in terms of, um, you know, if they want to learn more about me, my website is www.curativeconnections, which is curative, C-U-R-A-T-I-V-E, connections.com. And you can learn all about me there. All right. Awesome. Curative, not the COVID testing site. No. <laughs> cur cur curative no, connections. No. Right, right. You got it. <laughs> That's funny. For all of us who are so familiar now with that. That's so funny. Um, thank you so much, Michelle. I, I really appreciate it. Um, You're welcome. Uh, I can't wait to come and talk to you more. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. I certainly did as the mother of two daughters, and I think that we can appreciate this incredible relationship. So listen, if you got anything out of this episode, please do this. Just take a screenshot of you listening to it, share it on your Instagram stories, tag me at mindfulmamamentor, and I want to hear your takeaways. It really means so much to me to, to get your takeaways in it. In it it really matters to the podcast too, to getting the word out. We can, we can make these relationships better. We can be part of this transformation. All these little things really matter. Getting good, good information out into the world. <laughs> I know it's a noisy world, right? There's so much bad information. There's, there's wrong information, all of this stuff. So I appreciate any help you can give to get out the information that's healing and helping and helping us move in the right direction. So thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, take that screenshot it's so and tag me at Mindful Mama Mentor. And I'm wishing you a great week. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. You're here all the way to the end. Rock on for you, high five. So cool. And I'm so glad you're here. And I can't wait to talk to you again next week. I have another awesome guest. I have some on-air coaching calls coming up and all kinds of cool things. So I can't wait to see you again here on the Mindful Mama podcast. Thank you. And I'm wishing you a beautiful week. I'm wishing you peace and ease and joy with your family. Take care, my friend. Namaste. I say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? 
Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. mindfulparentingcourse.com Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.